0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Real World Productivity Podcast. I'm Adam Moody and today I'm talking with Jonathan Jonathan Krostad, who I can't pronounce his name correctly, even though I'm recording and it's actually supposed to be Jcron. is that
1: correct? Yeah, and, and in all sincerity, anybody that tries to pronounce it normally messes it up, so that's why Jcron came to be. So yeah, we'll go with that and uh, it'll be a lot more productive.
0: <laughs> Outstanding. You know, I couldn't have planned this better if I would uh, tried to mispronounce that, but you are the president of the all-in-one uh, online business platform, Kajabi, and he's here to talk about his background experience, along with the use of automation, team building in today's world, and how it can help you whether you're on your own leading a large team, whatever it is you're up to. So with that, let's get going. First of all, welcome, Jay cron appreciate you showing up today. Thanks so much, Adam. Great to be here. Well, let's just jump right into it. Uh, First question is really just about you and your background. Uh, Do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself in terms of background, uh, where you're coming from, experience, things like that?
1: No, not at all. Um, You know, I always like to laugh and say that God watches out for fools and little children, and I like to think of myself as a bit of both. So my career has really been a fairly serendipitous adventure through this uh, digital marketing world over the course of the last decade. I've uh, had the pleasure of working and leading with some of the most amazing organizations out there from, you know, Chet Holmes, Tony Robbins, uh, Traffic Geyser, Glazer Kennedy, uh, Inner Circle, digital marketer, success magazine, and, you know, now have been at Kajabi, uh, as president for the last three years. So it's really been a, a wide array of everything from business development, uh, marketing, executive leadership, everything along the way. Prior to that, uh, got my, uh, first taste of real adversity in my career, was the VP of sales for a large mortgage bank in 2007, everybody knows how that ends, and that's what uh, allowed me to rise like a phoenix from the ashes in the digital marketing world, which uh, is not at all how it happened, it was actually quite (laughs) accidental, but uh, you know, I I guess success really looks cleaner in reverse. Oh my gosh,
0: yeah, that uh, won't dive into that, but yeah, that must have been quite the the year or two of your life there.
1: Uh, That was quite the adventure. Wow. All right.
0: Well, you know, with that as your background, you know, do you have uh, experience or were you, you know, training as far as, you know, yep, I took training, I did this and that as far as things for being a leader, kind of as far as managing teams and learning how to do all this? Or is it more, you know, yeah, got out of school, started working, and then, you know, you just figure it out as you go?
1: It's really been a, a combination of self-study and application. Mm-hmm. Uh, my degree—I I almost can't even remember what my degree was in. I think it was in business administration, uh, out of a very small Lutheran college. But uh, you know, no classes on on leadership, management, philosophy, or anything that I use today. I mean, I, I'd be hard pressed to tell you what classes I had or what was taught in them. So very much a combination of rigorous self-study, uh, you know, massive investments on my own part and books and resources and everything imaginable related to my desired goals and then combined with uh, an extended period of time applying it. Gotcha. Uh,
0: and then how about uh, mentors? Have you found, um, I guess, one, do you, are you a believer in that? And then two, How has that, uh, if you do, I guess, you make use of that, how, is, how have you used that?
1: Huge believer in it. Um, I've had quite a few mentors over the course of my career. One of the most instrumental was probably Joe Polish. Uh, Joe was the first individual that I really met and got mentored by in this digital marketing world. And many of the relationships that took place following were sort of brought on by my time with him. So incredibly grateful for that. Uh, Mentorship is one that I think really a lot of individuals would benefit from assuming you can gain access to the right mentor and assuming you can keep access to the right mentor. But I think that a lot of individuals really look at mentorship the wrong way in the sense that it's, I want to be mentored by someone who is, you know, completely at the top of the game. You know, I'd Mm -hmm. like to be mentored by Bill Gates or Elon Musk or any of those things. And it's like, yeah, that would be great too. But my guess is they don't have any time and probably aren't at a stage in their life where they're more interested in legacy than they are in in anything else. And there's probably a lot of very, very wise people that are an iteration or two beyond where you are now. And remember, the only purpose of a mentor is not to necessarily try and have you skip 100 steps, you're able to benefit from mentorship if it's they can help you skip the five between where you are now and where they are. And you'll find another mentor after that that can take you a rung up and another rung up. So I think it's something that most people miss the value of mentoring because they're really looking for somebody that now, you know, is is exponentially further along. Gotcha. Uh, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Is is there a way
0: or have you come across a way for yourself or have you helped others maybe now as a mentor that you kind of say, is that the main advice? Just don't aim, um, you know, so many steps ahead. You want someone who can still turn around and see where you're at and help you or do you have some other steps or advice you give people as far as doing that?
1: You know, for me, I help out people often. Uh, The only thing that I recently have, you know, realized and have had to say no to is, the idea of ongoing rigid mentorship, i.e., the you know, can we talk every week or every two weeks? It's just something that based on my schedule and some of the insanity on, on demands and that, I guess I'm trying to figure out how I want to say it that, you know, some weeks are just completely crazy and other weeks there's more bandwidth. Mm -hmm. And so having regular commitments on the mentorship side can be challenging to manage, but I do have a lot of people that there's more of an informal, uh, as needed or just in time type mentorship where it's, you know, Hey, this is a decision I'd love your feedback on, or this mm-hmm. is an element of my business. I'd like your thoughts on. I have lots and lots and lots of those relationships. Gotcha. Okay. And that
0: makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Going after something specific instead of like you're saying, um, an ongoing relationship. So if, if someone was going to do this too, something I've heard a lot is that, you know, if you're going to approach a mentor or you have someone out there and you're not already, you know, connected in a friendship sort of way, Um, That you should approach them and of course consider you know that you're asking for their time you're asking for their input You know try to bring something to the table Or do you find that you're just you're connecting with people and mentoring people who are already you already have a relationship? Or do you ever kind of do anything out of the blue where someone approaches you and say hey for reasons x y and z I'd really like to talk to you. Here's why I think it would be helpful or beneficial
1: It depends on when they catch me. Um, If they catch me at a time where I've got all of the time, I mean, I would never not help somebody if I have the time and the bandwidth. But it certainly is something that I think people oftentimes approach a mentor without a real understanding of the true depth of what you're asking for. That especially if you're looking to be mentored by somebody who's more successful than you are presently, the value of time far exceeds the value of anything else that, you know, it would, it would be easier for me to give someone a hundred dollars than it would be for me to give them an hour of my time. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things that I think individuals that value time, that value money more than time because of the stage in life they're at, they view the time element with a different lens than someone whose time is far more valuable than money. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of like, oh, well, you know, why can't you just give me your time? It's like, no, you don't understand. That's the most <laughs> valuable commodity I have, and I don't have very much of it. Yeah. Um, it's just a very different approach. So I do think you keyed into it very well if you're looking to have a mentor. You really want to find a tangible way to add value and impact them so that they're thinking, Wow, I really want to repay you for this. How can I do so? Not do I have time to handle this, you know random request that I wasn't planning on. Yeah, which
0: I would think that, you know, most people would just say no to. And, you know, that's kind of the first law I would think is just, yeah, try to form a relationship with this person, bring some value and and go from there. Correct. Cool. Well, uh, switching gears a little bit. um, You know, I'm curious and I, uh, I enjoy this and I like asking people about this who do different things or at different stages. Um, You know, what's your normal routine look like? You know, uh, what do you do? Do you have a morning routine? Do you have something that you do daily? Um, I'm just interested in, in how you approach that as far as, you know, making sure you get your day started and how you help run the business.
1: Well, uh, a couple of different things. Um, I've experimented with lots of different routines, lots of different productivity systems. Uh, I'm definitely a a productivity systems junkie in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. And the thing that I've really, really found that helps more than anything else is prioritizing. Mm -hmm. And for me, that really begins with... uh, My big commitment this year is that I I exercise every morning. Um, I've had to move that to be the very first thing I do in the morning because if it doesn't happen first thing, it just doesn't happen. Uh, I've tried the, I'll go at lunch. I've tried the, I'll go after work. That only never happens. And I have found that that for me is uh, what I guess, and I forget which author, if it was Charles Duhigg or whoever called it a keystone habit, if I get my workout in in the morning, it literally amplifies everything else that I do throughout the day from uh, effectiveness, clarity, and um, yeah, it's just a, a major, major win for me. The other thing I would certainly say for those of you out there that are searching for more productivity, and, and you are p- perhaps where I was six months ago, where you just feel like you've tried every system, every methodology, and you're not getting done what you need to get done. Um, Richard Koch, uh, spelled K-O-C-H, in his 80-20 principle and uh, 80-20 manager and just a lot of his books, I can't say enough good things about it because I feel like most often we just get far better at organizing things that don't necessarily need to be done Hmm. rather than really spending the thought and diligent thought time on what should be done. Um, I think Tim Ferriss really said it best where he said uh, busyness can really just be another form of laziness. It just is laziness in thought rather than laziness in action. And it's very much something where I think productivity oftentimes provides that dopamine release of a checklist full of lots of things that then gets organized and color coded and nested. And, you know, we, we all of a sudden start worshiping the system rather than worshiping its desired results. Definitely. So for me, I've really tried to continue to be more and more ruthless of how I approach my day, and how I can really be asking myself at every turn, what is the one thing if I got done today, either would eliminate other things on my to-do list, or if I got that done, and only that done, I would be completely satisfied with that day.
0: Gotcha. Uh, That makes a lot of sense, and I'll definitely be coming back uh, to the book part of that. This will come up again, but uh, something you mentioned, too, about being ruthless, um, and it makes me wonder have you gotten better or is saying no something you ever had to work on Uh, I find that a lot of people that's a a learned skill as opposed to something kind of innate you know we're used to saying yes you know we want to help people we want to do what we can but at a certain point I found and the people I talked to about this you know a lot of people feel learning to say no is hugely powerful in terms of productivity and doing less means you really usually get more done
1: Oh, learning to say no for me is still to this day extremely hard. Um, it's something that I have really needed to work on regularly because my tendency is always to say yes, overestimate how much time I have in my day, overestimate my ability to spend time, whether it be socially or, or in any other capacity. Um, it's something I'm just frankly not good at because I really do want to say yes far more often than I end up saying no. And, um yeah, I'm not good at it, Uh, working to get better at it. And it's something also that you'll find, especially if you have any challenges with, you know, self-confidence or self-esteem, saying no is even harder because Mm -hmm. you really resist saying no because you're afraid of how it will be perceived that you, you know, because somebody sends you a calendar invite on LinkedIn, you feel karmically like you're supposed to respond and connect with them or, You know, someone sends you an email and you feel like you are required to respond because the email was sent to you. And I think for me, what really helped with being able to say no is beginning to realize that the more often you're saying yes without the thought associated, all you're really doing is committing to other people's agendas for you versus operating from your own agenda. And it's really something that, um, I forget who said it, but they said, you know, an email inbox is a great place to, uh, review all of the, uh, agendas others have for you. Um, so it's really something that if you're perpetually stuck in saying yes to things, you'll realize that your time is gone. You've gotten nothing done that was important to you. And it's just, uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of like, uh, productivity purgatory. You're scheduled to the max. You have no free time and, really, if you think about most of the big advancements, it normally comes from unstructured thought time. It doesn't come from just being busy. You know, most of the advancements in my life were never because I had a fully packed to do list and did everything on it. Definitely. Or rather, I
0: personally finding the balance. Um, and then I recently went through what was it the learning how to learn course on Coursera. that um, I thought was really neat. Or I guess I did this winter and, and learning that, you know, To learn well, you need to focus, you have to learn something, but then you've got to have that kind of, they call it the diffuse mode of like sitting back and, you know, just having time to walk around, think, and, you know, connect the dots in your head so that you can then go out and implement and do something, you know, whatever it is. Um, I guess with that thought then, my question to you is, do you, is there a way you like to do that? Do you have like scheduled thinking time? I know that that's a thing people do. Do you go on walks? Like, how do you, how do you do that for yourself?
1: Meaning how do I get the thought time or what do I do during What do do I during that time?
0: I guess both would be good, but let's start with how do you get that time? Because I know for someone who's busy, you might have a lot of demands. How do you do that? Do you strictly block it out or is it just something you ensure you make time for?
1: Um, I would just say that the big thing, and I'll give Ryan Dice credit for this one uh, because I was looking at his uh, – Training on schedule blocking. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Ryan Dice is, uh, you know, founder of Digital Marketer and you know, an amazing, amazing guy. I was CEO of their company for a year and uh, someone who I have tremendous respect for because he's been able to balance building a tremendous global organization while still being very, very present as a husband and father and you know, just someone who's really kind of figured it out. In my mind, one of the things he had in his schedule blocking that I really thought was brilliant is he takes no meetings on Fridays. So no no team meetings, no phone calls, no no anything that would be considered a structured meeting because Friday essentially exists as the, all right, I'm going to get done whatever comes up that day, you know, whatever items need to be taken care of. But then the rest of it is meant to be unstructured time. You know, it might be filled by, and you know, for people that have an organization, it might be that management by walking around, of just walking around the building, having those sporadic conversations and, and seeing what comes out of it. If you're a solopreneur, this might be the, the time where you really just begin to sit down, ponder, explore, and, you know, think through all of the ways that you can grow and adjust the business rather than do, you know, it would be the time to work on the business rather than in the business to so use the, the Michael Gerber time. Um, delineation but you know really having it be purposeful and on the calendar and I mean I don't And now that doesn't mean that Friday is empty on my calendar Friday is just blocked off by a giant block of time and, and my assistant knows to never schedule anything on Friday without checking with me first
0: that makes sense and you know you mentioned something there uh, about walking around uh, checking out what people are doing talking to people getting feedback uh, have you read the book radical candor
1: I haven't read rad- Radical Candor yet. Admittedly, I have a hard time not laughing about it just because if you've seen the show Silicon Valley, there's a, a guy in there who's a, a you know, fairly not good character who's who's <laughs> all about Radcan, as he calls it. So no, I, I haven't read it yet.
0: That's good. That must come directly. I think I watched the first like season or two. It hadn't caught up on it since then, but uh, several guests on the podcast recommended that I started sitting down and reading that uh, some really good stuff in that, but yeah, that must be a uh, self poke being that I know the author came out of that uh, situation. So, all right. Moving on from that then. Um, I'm just curious, how many people would you say do you directly interface with um, on a given day?
1: Um, gosh, that's a, a tough question. I mean, from a direct report perspective, I think mm-hmm. I have eight, but as far as people I directly interface with, there's going to be, you know, double or triple that, depending on how many conversations I have with different people in different departments, different uh, vendors, partners, all of that stuff. Gotcha.
0: Okay. And then, well, let's just stick to direct reports. And so, if we say about eight people, um, do you have any that are remote, or is it all on site?
1: All of my direct reports are on site. Okay. Um, we've really, uh, you know, not that virtual teams are not spectacular. I think that they've got a lot of uh, a lot of benefits to them, and we do have, you know. Occasional virtual work throughout our organization, and we do have a couple of full-time remote employees. Mm-hmm. But we largely have built a, a team office culture. Uh, it's something that we've really enjoyed and just value the in-person interaction. So all my direct reports are local. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Um, I guess well, this is a good one then because a lot of the people I talk to now, you know, more and more seem to have remote teams, and that's fine. It works for them. Um, so you touched on on one big aspect of it. I guess can you talk about what do you get out of that about having your team or the majority of your team being, I guess, present and that you said, you know, the on-site or the culture around that?
1: Yeah, it just really gives, uh, in, in my opinion, a very different type of culture. Um, you know, Basecamp and, and other companies like them, I think have done a great job of popularizing what a virtual uh, virtual team culture can look like. Uh, But it just, to me, it it normally means that communication and a lot of elements of the company all have to happen asynchronously. There's not really a lot of opportunity to have that uh, camaraderie and excitement of being able to really see bonds form between teams. And uh, it's just different. You know, it's not that I don't think you can get to the outcome. I mean, there's a lot of benefits that a virtual team has. Mm -hmm. But I think for us, especially being in a, a newer industry uh, that sometimes has some nuances to it that are not quote business standard. That's where I see a tremendous amount of value in being able to interact in person. Gotcha,
0: cool. Yeah, I definitely have more experience uh, with remote teams and so i doing a little bit more reading, trying to learn about this um, and, and as far as working together and, and building teams just in many different ways. Has, has, you, or has your education of yourself as far as in, uh, bettering yourself as a leader, Uh, I would assume, but I'll let you answer, has that kind of taken the same path as, you know, time management and productivity for you where you're kind of self-taught and learning and having mentors or how have you kind of increased your skills at leadership over the years?
1: You know, I think it really is um, a a lot of different things. I Mm -hmm. I think that the tactics of the, the time management and productivity side is helpful but I don't know that I would say it really helps you as a leader. I think what it does is it frees up time and allows you to operate from a state of mind that you have the time necessary to lead. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, leadership is far more about uh, communication, uh, self-confidence, and you know, the ability to really bring people together, which is far less of a, a productivity or tactical approach and far more of a you know, I guess I would say a very communication and accountability oriented environment. So really being able to learn how to communicate differently with different personalities, learning how to be able to take, you know, kind of a outside and above point of view on a situation rather than staying in the situation and being triggered by it. Um, For me, I've found a lot more of the value comes from the communication side than it does from the productivity side. Um, I it's sort of one of those things where I think productivity serves you very well when you're either in small teams or you're a solopreneur because ultimately your success is predicated on your effectiveness. And then as you move into leadership and in more complex environments, it gets to be far more layers between you and, and the item being done. And that's going to require you to be far more effective at driving results through others than it will be driving the results yourself. And that's where I think the switch sort of happens from I'm productive and really managing my time and my tasks Mm -hmm. to more I'm diving deep into building productivity and processes amongst people. Gotcha.
0: So then, what would you say you you do have done or maybe you're you're going to do as far as continuing and moving forward to provide the best leadership then to your teams
1: really tr- really working to uh, strive for very clear communication uh, very clear goals, but most importantly mutual buy-in on everything mm. that it's something that uh, you know we are a very I guess we'd call it casual organization in in how we approach things. We don't have a lot of layers or hierarchy or performance reviews or any of those type of processes, Mm -hmm. but we do have very clearly defined outcomes and very clearly defined timelines. And that's what we find really allows us to align our behaviors. Gotcha. All
0: right, well, we've got time just here for one or two more questions. Uh, This one is, I've got, they're both a little open-ended, but this one uh, is more about again leadership or we can you can translate it into one of the areas we've talked about but if you know you were to talk back to yourself as a vp of business development 10 years ago you know what would be something you would want to tell him in terms of whether it's you know personal productivity it's leadership or anything like that if you could go back in time and help yourself what would you do
1: i would say the warren buffett quote of the difference between successful and really successful people is really successful people say no to almost everything <laughs> And uh, that's the wisdom that I would really try to impart because I feel like I probably could have made bigger strides faster had I not believed that all activity was equal and that I was a bit more judicious in the activities that I chose. Um, That being said, there are seasons for everything. So I think it's something that there are seasons where saying yes to lots and lots of things if you're in an exploratory season can be very, very helpful but that once you've selected a path, I think saying no far more often will serve you better.
0: Great. I love that. Uh, I'm definitely going to add that to the show notes. That's a great quote. And uh, I like that way of looking at it. Thanks. So last question. Uh, And this can be the same thing that you mentioned earlier, but what book do you find yourself right now recommending the most or telling people about the most?
1: Um, I would say from an organizational perspective, the book that we have uh, fallen in love with and really proselytized for is a book called Powerful by Patty McCord. She was the chief talent officer of Netflix, Mm -hmm. and it's really how they were able to build their culture in Silicon Valley, which is the most notoriously challenging talent pool on the planet. So um, that's an amazing book on the organizational side. And then I would say from an enjoyment side and a a life point of view side, I would say Edward Thorpe's uh, Man for All Markets is truly incredible. It's uh, just a retrospective written by him, read by him of, you know, his life in professional gambling and Wall Street and science and just interesting as hell.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. And those will definitely be in the show notes for everyone to take a look at. And I'll probably be uh, looking at those. I have not read either of those. So, Thank you Jaycon for a great interview. Uh, I know myself and everyone else got a lot out of all this info and really appreciate you taking the time. So where should people go to find out more about you or or what you're working on?
1: Uh, Check us out, kajabi.com, K-A-J-A-B-I.com. We've got a lot of amazing, amazing things going on. If you're considering entrepreneurship online, uh, we've got a great 28 day challenge which doubles your free trial and we'll teach you how to create, produce, market and sell your very first digital information product uh, in less than 28 days. So you can actually be in business and profiting before your subscription ever comes due. It's an email coaching program that we're pretty proud of and heck of a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. Yeah, everyone, if you're thinking about that, highly suggest it from someone who's built courses online. Trust me, it's nice to have something that is all in one in the sense of if you've already got your idea, you know what you're going to do. Getting up and running can uh, turn into Uh, quite a headache with all the tools you've got to pick through. So if you're interested, I highly suggest you check that out. I will include the link. So thank you again for being here today. Really appreciate it. And I know uh, everyone is going to get a ton out of this. Thanks again, Jake. Yep. My pleasure, Adam. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Real World Productivity Podcast. If you know someone that would enjoy this episode, please grab the link and send it via email, message, or whatever means works best. Now, if you're looking for more ways to increase your productivity, time management, and team building skills, be sure to go to productivityacademy slash resources to find out what tools, cheat sheets, and services can get you started and make the most impact right now. For those who want to make fast changes and want to save dozens of hours, I highly recommend joining the 14-day Productivity Foundation Challenge at productivityacademy slash foundation challenge. This 14-day challenge takes minutes per day but will help you develop or improve your daily review to get more done with less distractions and loss of focus. You'll also get over-the-shoulder directions for setting up an automation, save dozens of hours, and the process for deciding what else you should automate and how to do it. And if you're serious about continuous improvement and you know that productivity, time management, and team building will impact every area of your personal and professional life, join us in the Growth Automation Membership. Find out more at productivity.academy/join.